Well, this Advent season, we have been looking at the theme of listening, and it's a key invitation, it's a key discipline, a key practice that God invites us to is to listen, and it's something that I think for many of us we struggle with on one level of or another. And we began three weeks ago when the theme of uh, listening to the prophets was introduced, and uh, our theme verse uh, throughout this series has been that verse that Jared just read for us in Second Peter uh, chapter 1, where Peter is talking about his own faith story, and he's, he's calling us to listen to the prophets. And those ancient prophets and their story became so personal and so real for him, uh, and it changed how he viewed the prophets and how he calls the church to view the prophets. And so he says, because of that experience, and what, we, what he was talking about, is he was talking about his own faith experience and, and his own encounter with Jesus. He says, because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and, the Christ, and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from their own understanding or human initiative, but no, they were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. And so when Peter says this, of because of that, because of that experience, he is talking about for himself and the other disciples that were there with Jesus, that they had been with Jesus, they had walked with Jesus, they saw Him alive before His crucifixion, they saw Him alive after His resurrection, and they're saying it changed how they viewed the words of the prophets. And the ancient prophets who had spoken that they would have known in their, in their own language, in their Hebrew Scriptures, they would have understood the words of the prophets, and He just says, I view them differently, and how His own experience made the words of the prophets come alive. And so Peter even says with more conviction, listen to the prophets. And uh, when our own story connects with that, it changes us. So that's what we talked about three weeks ago. And then two weeks ago, James spoke about listening to Jesus and asked the question of us whether we simply see Jesus as sort of like a distant monarch like the queen that we kind of see from afar and have this sort of nostalgic kind of sentimentalism towards and, and sort of see in a traditional way, but don't actually embrace Jesus as the Lord of all. And, and so do we have Jesus as sort of this distant kind of monarch who plays a certain functional role in our lives, or do we actually give Jesus authority in our lives, in our families, in our finances, and in all areas of our life? And so that was the, the question a couple of weeks ago on how we listen to Jesus. And then last week, Spencer, as Maureen mentioned, Spencer spoke and just gave a great teaching on how to listen to the Holy Spirit, to understand the person and the power and the presence of God's Spirit and how the Spirit can guide us and speak to us as we allow and invite Him to do so. And so today we want to return to this theme of uh, listening to the prophets. But we want to bring it forward to today and include people today who God has given prophetic gifts to for the church. A different role than the ancient prophets had, but a role and a gift that we see affirmed again and again throughout the New Testament. And people today with this prophetic gifting typically have this churning and this holy discontent within them that they, they strive to know God and call people to God in a very unique way. They have this fierce loyalty and faithfulness to God and to His covenant, and they call people to that. Uh, and so they, they feel like their calling is to be guardians of this covenant relationship that God has with His people and the, to call people to live godly, holy lives and to pursue after God with passion and obedience. And often they have this ability to fearlessly proclaim God's Word in concise ways, and, and maybe it's just a quiet word between two people, but they speak with conviction, and they, they speak a word of challenge and comfort or conviction in a timely and relevant way. 
And one of the things that Spencer talked about last week of the gift of the Holy Spirit is that, that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. And so the, the Holy Spirit gives each one of us unique spiritual gifts that are used for the body of Christ and to use to build up the church so that the church can grow continually in maturity and in completeness in different ways. And, and this is where it's a really beautiful thing where, where the supernatural of God in the heavenlies who uh, connects with us in our human form and these gifts are imparted to us and they come out in our personalities and our characteristics and the unique ways that God has wired us. And so even the same gift can look really different in different people. And, and the, the gifts are expressed in unique ways and in different ways all the time because of our personalities and our own characters and characteristics. And so they look and they feel different regardless of what the, the gift is. Whether it's the gift of administration, the gift of helps, the gift of leadership, or even the gift of prophecy. But that they are each expressed uniquely and given by the Holy Spirit. And so, part of listening to the Spirit is to understand the Spirit's gifts that He has given us in our lives and to embrace them, to grow in them, to test them, to step in obedience in the gifts that God has given them. And and we want to do that as a church in different ways. And so in Ephesians 4, it's one of the places where the Apostle Paul is teaching the church in Ephesus, and he gives a list of gifts, and he articulates certain gifts in a particular way here, and he says this, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Isn't that an amazing picture of what the gifts are called to do? And particularly some of these gifts that Paul is unpacking here, that they bring the church to maturity. They bring the church to a sense of completeness in Christ, which is quite a remarkable statement. And one of the ways that this group of gifts has been referred to as like the apest uh, list of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. In some translations it uses shepherd, teacher. In other translations it uses pastor and so on. But, but that the, these gifts are unique and distinct for the church. And a few weeks ago I, I referenced these and I wanted to just sort of put them in front of us again. How if you look at them, and I'll, I'll go through, I'll, I'll have the prophet at the end, but if you think of the apostle, the person who's gifted as an apostle is a person who's all about the mission of God. And they're wired to advance the mission of God in all kinds of creative, entrepreneurial, uh, faith-filled ways. And so they're the people who often start organizations and move things forward and so on. But apostles are about activating God's mission in the world. And then the, the evangelists are the people who are so wired to, to talk about and to be all about the transforming message of the gospel. Calling people to repentance and to, to respond to God's word. These are the evangelists who have that focus. The shepherds are the ones who, who care about the people. And right, they just love people. And they want to focus on the people. That's their calling and their passion. And then the teachers are the ones that are all about explaining the story of God and are gifted in articulating the overall story of God and making it relevant in people's lives and helping people to understand how their story fits into God's story. And then the prophets, true prophets, whether they're ancient or modern prophets, are all about God. I mean, they're just all about God and His kingdom and His covenant and about pointing people to God in whatever way they can. With this holy discontent oftentimes and calling people to live in obedience 
and responsiveness. And don't you see the character of God and the goodness of God? And they're constantly pointing us in that direction. And so when it comes to prophets or this prophetic gifting, Paul actually encourages us and encourages the church to pursue this gift. And he says, you should seek after this gift. He says so when he's teaching to the church in Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians 14, he says it this way, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And so it's important for us to notice how in the New Testament in many places, and Paul really pointedly here, affirms this gift for the church. And he says, you should actually pursue this gift. You should press into this gift. This is an important gift for the church. And and so this one matters. And so he's encouraging people. But he also warns them to temper it and to discern it and to test it. And don't don't just sort of... Because oftentimes he's talking about having order in the service in a way that doesn't undermine the witness of the church. And so in Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. And so he says to test it, discern it, but he says to pursue it. It's important. So as I've been thinking again uh, this week about this gift of prophecy, and even in my own life, I've often said to people, I I don't really see that I have the gift of prophecy. Like I don't see that strong in my life uh, in certain ways. Although it could be argued, and I I think it's fair to say that, that the components, some components of the gift of prophecy come out in my teaching gift. Because I, I love to read the Bible and I love to study the Word of God and I love to teach on the Word of God. And, and through that gift, there's prophetic elements to that for sure. And so that comes out in that way. And I love to point people to God in, in that aspect of the gift. But, but I feel like I don't have it in the sense that some other people have it uh, who kind of embody the prophetic as a primary gift. And so as a, for instance, you know, James Penner, who we know and, and we love, and I've bugged James and we've even joked about our different giftings, for instance, but you know, we've talked about him having this prophetic gifting in numerous times, and he has just this passion for Jesus, and he, he prays for hours, and he walks, and he prays, and he talks to God, and so on, and, and he's, you know, he's always talking about Jesus, talking to Jesus, pointing to, to Jesus, and so on, and, and sometimes when I hang out with James, I wonder if I'm even a Christian, and it's like, man, I, I just don't think that way, like, I'm not wired that way, and it's different, and, and so, but then I also have to come to the place where I just have to remember and remind myself that it's important that we all have different gifts and that we embrace the gifts that we do have and that it's okay with the gifts that we don't have. And so I want to encourage each one of us in that. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need the church is because the church has this fullness of the gift and why the Apostle Paul is saying in Ephesians you know, these gifts, they actually make room for all the gifts. And it's so important that these are there so that every gift has a place. And so our posture needs one to not be clamoring after all the gifts, but actually saying, God, what gifts have you given me? And how do I grow in that and use that and leverage that to build up the church and help the church towards maturity and this completeness of Christ as we all do our part? And so like Paul says, I've prayed countless times, Lord, give me this gift, or like many different gifts, or give me more of a particular gift. 
And I've just come to the place of peace of saying, God, I believe that you have given me the fullness of all the gifts that you want me to have. And if you have more for me, I welcome that. And so I'm always open to whatever God has for me in these gifts, but also to just be at peace with the gifts that he has given me, the gifts that he has given you, and say, Lord, how do you want me to press into these things? So for me, sometimes I've been in settings where you know somebody leading will be maybe have the group read a passage and then ask people to kind of sit quietly and allow God's Spirit to speak. And, you know, maybe you have a picture or you have sort of a vision or a scripture verse or a certain word comes to mind. And, and I've even led some of those times myself. Um, and others, I'm always amazed that some people, they, they immediately just have something to share and they have maybe a vision or a picture in their mind that comes to them. And it's like, it's remarkable. And, and I sit there and I'm just like distracted and it's sort of like just this white space in my head. Or else I'm building my next woodworking project in my head. And it's like, oh yeah, i got to focus. And so I struggle with those times. And yet, they've been rich. And I love when I hear from other people about what God is saying to them in those moments. And, and, and so the point for us is to be open and to continue to grow in them. And to not shy away. But like Paul says, to press into those things in a discerning community. I was at a a board meeting in BC once a number of years ago, and the group of us as a board were being led by this woman who had really strong prophetic giftings, and she was leading us through this exercise that that made me uncomfortable and a few others in the room, and what she had us do is she had us line up in two rows, and so we had one row of people lined up here, and then immediately behind us, back to back, was another row of people there, so we weren't looking at each other, we were facing away from each other. And then she had the one row all shift over a couple of people, so we had no idea who was behind us. We were supposed to keep focused ahead. And then she said, okay, now I want you to just pray and just uh, ask God to just maybe give you a word of encouragement or something for the person behind you. And you don't know who it is. And uh, I went through my white space and building projects in my head and different things. And then it's like, okay, no, focus. And then after a time, we turned around. And I turned around, and behind me was my friend, Brent Workentine, who's a pastor in Kansas. And so he and I are pastors, and we kind of laughed and shared together that awkward moment kind of thing. And we both confessed that as pastors, we were actually just going through sermons that we had preached in the previous weeks and wondering what we could pull from that to say to that person. Um, but then after we sort of got over that, we both kind of just stopped and said, okay. I said, the only thing I have for you is this one phrase that came to my mind. And I shared that phrase. He said, the only thing I have for you is this one word. And he just said one word. And then we started to unpack it a little bit. And we asked, okay, so does that mean anything to you? And in the course of a few moments, both of us were actually getting emotional because of the impact that what we shared with each other had on each other. And it was this powerful moment where even two of us who don't think we have this gifting in any way, but if you're open to it, it's like, okay, God can actually speak. And it was a word of encouragement for each of us that was really significant. And so the point I'm making is that for us to be open to these things, that God can use us, speak to us, grow in us, in all kinds of ways, even if you don't feel that you necessarily have that particular gift. And so in my life, and also as what I see in Scripture, is that this gift of prophecy has all kinds of upside, all kinds of place to build up the church. As Paul says in his letters, how it strengthens the church, makes it mature, equips the people. And I've seen that, and I've experienced that in my own life. I've had people speak prophetic words into my life that were timely, pointed, and really powerful. And mainly because they often said things that actually God had been saying to me for quite a while, 
And I kind of knew because I, in my own journaling and reading scripture and prayer times, I had sort of had a sense of this. So it wasn't like they were necessarily something new. It was, so, it was more affirming what I kind of already knew, but now in a really pointed way that was really, really significant. I did have an incident one time in the last couple of years where as I was stepping into a role in the conference and I had a woman who had a, a dream about me and she came and shared it one day and she's somebody who typically doesn't walk in this and she just laid it on the table and shared it with me. And at the time, I had no idea, like I just didn't know what it meant, so you sort of take it, you put it on a shelf, and you just kind of leave it there. A few months later, almost everything that she had said in that dream made so much sense, and it actually was a word of encouragement to me, because it was like God saying to me, Bruce, I'm in this. When things get hard, I'm in this. And I could get into all the particulars of it, but it was just this word of encouragement for me that had very significant impact. So my experience has been is when people with this gifting come with this open-handedness and this humility and just sort of saying, here's what I feel led to share, and you do whatever you think you need to do with it. It's this amazing gift for the church or for individuals. Now sadly, there's also a downside to any gift. I think every gift has a shadow side. Um, The gift of leadership has been seen to have a shadow side in all kinds of ways. The gift of prophecy is no different. And so in this gift, when people come with uh, ways, and I've experienced this, when they come with ways that are kind of very adamant and very specific message and a word for the church or for me individually in a way that sort of feels almost coercive or manipulative, and it's not open-handed, it's kind of very directive, and it almost is like putting God in a box or dictating what God needs to do, it, it makes me cautious and it makes me guarded because there isn't that humility and open-handedness. And even in, in recent months, I became aware of a story of a church here in Canada that uh, has experienced a lot of pain and uh, sadly revealing the abuses of pastoral power under the banner of prophet. Where the pastor of this small church uh, referred to himself and the leadership group around him referred to him not as pastor but as prophet in a very negative, controlling, manipulative, authoritative way. And there's been all kinds of abuses that have happened in that context because of this. And so sadly, we, we see the downsides and the negative or the dark sides of any gift. But the point is, is not to shy away from it because of that, but to actually discern in community and to have the, you know, the discernment and the, the guardrails in place as we use these gifts and grow in these gifts in a way that bring health and wholeness and healing to the church, which is what we want to do. Because you know what? The enemy would love us to shrink back in fear. Because the enemy would love us to not actually have the completeness of gifts in the church. Which is why, as Paul says, you know, even these five gifts that he lists in Ephesians 4, he's saying these ones are so essential for releasing the other gifts in the church and for equipping the church in, in this way. And so if you don't have some of those gifts, the enemy would love that because this church is just going to keep walking with a limp. And so we don't want to shrink back in fear. We want to walk in faith and embrace all that God has for us individually and also as a church but to be wise and discerning as well. So at the beginning of Advent, uh, a few weeks ago, as a, as a staff, we had asked four or five individuals from our congregation here, we had asked them, uh, these are people who are learning and growing in this gift, and they have different expressions of this prophetic gifting. But we had asked them to just be attentive. Would you just be praying and just discerning during this Advent season, season particularly for what is it that you think God is saying to us at this time as a church? Is there anything that God would want us to hear? And then on Tuesday, just this last week, we gathered that group of four or five uh, together with some of us as staff, and we 
just asked them to share, and we, we talked together and prayed together and, and had them share some of, of what God had put on their heart. And then afterwards, I'd ask them to send it by email, and, and each of them did, and it was, it was really encouragement, encouraging, and there was all kinds of things that, that came out. And so today, what I wanted to do is, is just uh, to invite two of those individuals to come up and join me here on the platform as just a humble representation of this gift. And the point isn't to elevate this one gift or to even to elevate these two individuals. They just represent others. And there are others in this, in this body who have these gifts as well too. But just to represent uh, some of this gift uh, in, in this church. And so Val and Lori, if you would come up at this time and come and join me here. This is Lori Pauls and Val Buron, and many of you know them. I'll give you that. And uh, what I asked them to share, first of all, is just a little bit about, talk a little bit about the process that I just described, and how was it for you of just this process of being invited in to listen and then to share, even as what we did on Tuesday and, uh, and, and since then following. Talk about the process a little bit for you. Yeah, I just found it, first of all, really encouraging and affirming to be asked to listen on behalf of the church. Um, just, yeah, that in itself was encouraging. And then the process of committing to spending more intentional time in the Bible and um, praying as I walk and writing things down um, is always amazing and meaningful. Um, there's nothing better in this life than experiencing more of the presence of God. Um, he met me on the days when I had lots of quiet space at home, but he also met me during the hectic and more stressful days. Um, just kind of got that reminder, a sense that he can meet us wherever we're at, um, when our ears are open and we're looking for him. Thank you. Val, what about for you? So for me, the process in any uh, spiritual assignment is always the best part because I feel personally it's this wide open invitation to lean in, to cultivate my friendship with the Holy Spirit and to listen to what he's saying about a particular person or um, things that I'm praying for, and particularly the church. Um, but the biggest lesson that uh, he's been teaching me is to trust him in me, to trust his voice in me, to trust that what he's saying to me and what I'm saying is not just personal bias or my own opinion, but it actually is his voice speaking through me. Because those of you that know me well know that I'm not smart enough to think of some of the things that he reveals through me. <laughs> I won't comment on that. <laughs> Lori, in what you shared, um, you, one of the words that came out was the word humility and that theme of humility that came out. And I'd like you to just unpack that a little bit because you talked about uh, us being of humbling ourselves and being repentant before God. Uh, the fact that, that anything that God that causes humility in our life is a gift. And so talk a little bit about that, what you just sensed that God had put on your heart for us as a church in this area of humility. So I was reading through Zephaniah, and we all know the verse in uh, chapter 3, verse 17. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful song. But what struck me as I was reading the whole book is, is so much that came before that. Uh, in particular, just this acknowledgement that the verse isn't actually for everybody. Um, in chapter 3, 11 to 12, he writes, On that day you will no longer be rebels against me. I will remove all proud and arrogant people from among you. There will be no more haughtiness on my holy mountain. Those who are left will be lo the lowly and humble, for it is they who trust in the name of the Lord. And then as I was reading through Matthew, Jesus says in 9, 
verse 13, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Just teaching me that Jesus came for the humble and repentant hearts, not those who think that they have it all together. So those moments when we lose it, make mistakes, hurt someone else, make the wrong choice, and then realize it, those moments are hard and humbling. Our ego has been hurt, but that is a good thing. Those humbling hard days are good and important days too. They keep us knowing that we are sinners in need of Jesus. They keep us turning back to him in humility for forgiveness and help, and we are blessed. In Matthew 13, 12, Jesus says, To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. And he goes on to explain more about the, those who are not listening. In um, chapter 13, still 13, um, they hear, but they don't really listen or understand. And he goes on to explain in verse 15, For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they can't. And they, um, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. God wants us to turn to him in humility and repentance and trust so that he can heal us. And just following in that same chapter, Jesus says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting the seeds, the parable of the seeds being scattered on different ground that we all know. Um, He explains the meaning in verse 23. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. We've been talking about wanting that 100-fold harvest, so I will repeat that verse. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And who are those who truly hear, who really listen? Believe God is saying that it is the humble. Those who know they are sinners, they listen. Those that recognize their need for him, listen. Those that trust him, listen. Those with a repentant heart, listen. Those that submit to the Lord's will, they listen. So anything that humbles us is a gift. Anything that causes us to really listen is a gift. Our pride and our ego needs to be cut away. Jesus says in Matthew 18, 3 to 4, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he reiterates it in the next chapter, 19, 14, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. This process of being humbled is a painful one. Our ego is big and strong and it doesn't like being hurt but it really does need to go. There is true healing and freedom that comes when we humble ourselves before God as his children. God has given me this picture of him as his big daddy lion, and I am a lion cub. I am his beloved and precious child. No matter the trouble I face in this life, I am the cub, and I have a big daddy lion to snuggle up to in the darkness. He will carry me on his back when I'm facing overwhelming circumstances, I'm not expected to be full-grown, nor can I be anything more than a cub. But instead, I can trust him to be the king of the jungle. That's great. Isn't that a good word for us? I mean, just this word of humility, of being called to humility. Again, not something that's necessarily new. We see that in Scripture, but to be given that pointed thing, and even that idea that in a humility and repentance, 
it can be painful and hard, but that God wants to bring healing through that. And that's just a really powerful word and a timely word for us. Thank you, Lori. Val, I know that you are smart and you have lots to share, but uh, you had talked in what you shared about this word breakthrough and just some of the things that you just sense that God is doing uh, in our church at this season. So talk a little bit about that uh, and that word breakthrough that stood out for you. So as I have been watching and asking, Holy Spirit, what's been happening over the past seven months, I'm fully convinced that during the time when Hakan and Dave were here, for those of you that don't know who Hakan is, he is the Turkish pastor that we are in partnership with, and he is a man that is zealously in love with the Lord Jesus, and he works powerfully in the prophetic. And so I really believe that when they were here in May, that there was a tailor-made supernatural impartation which was released over us. Some of you may have felt it more intensely than others, but I'm sure that all of us noticed that something changed. It's called breakthrough. The definition of breakthrough is a sudden, dramatic, and important development. What that has looked like for us is worth paying attention to and worth praising God for. We have witnessed evidence of breakthrough in our prayer ministry, The spirit of intercession has been increasing as we begin to pray for and with each other. Lives are being touched by the power of God and testimonies are being released. Prodigals are coming home. Addictions are being broken and families are being restored. Significant ministries are rising up in our church and these are just to name a few. We all know that God works in ways we cannot see. But sometimes the Holy Spirit reintroduces us to what kingdom living looks like. And in order to steward and sustain these divine shifts, we must honor the Holy Spirit by paying attention and listening to what he is saying. God has entrusted something very special to us. It's something unusual, something new. And it's not for the few, it's for all of us. And it's not just for now, but for the future generations. What a good word. Thank you, Val. Um, what an amazing word of just what God is doing, this, this picture of breakthrough, but also what God wants to continue to do in us. And there's just such encouragement and hope in that. Could we just say thank you to Val and Lori for sharing this morning? For me, that's just a sampling of some of the gifts that are in our church and uh, even the whole group that met on Tuesday. I mean, I just really affirm their gifts and I know there are others like them who have those gifts and other gifts in this church. And I just want to encourage you to allow yourself to listen to the Holy Spirit by also embracing the unique gifts that God has given you and to do so for the building up of the church. And so our prayer is, as we've been in this Advent season, that we would all take opportunities and time to be intentional to listen, to set aside space and time in the busyness of our lives, to put intentional place markers on our calendars to actually listen, and I would continue to do so even continuing into the Christmas season, that we would pay attention to our souls, that we would pay attention to what are the things that distract us, that we would pay attention to what it is that God might specifically be saying to us at this time. God is continually speaking, and so as you read God's Word, as you pray, as you just sit silently and invite the Spirit of God to speak and encourage you particularly in certain areas, I pray that that would happen in increasing ways and that the diversity of the gifts would continue to grow and emerge in our church for God's glory and for the church's maturity and completeness in Christ.
Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you uh, for Lori and Val and just what they've shared here today. Help us to test that, discern that, uh, and to continue to do so. I thank you for the others who are involved in this exercise and just the way that we could listen and encourage one another. And Lord, I pray for each person here that, that we would all recognize and embrace the unique gifts that you have given us and that we would also be at peace with the ones that you haven't given us and that we would rely on each other and encourage others in different gifts or in different personalities and how they use their gifts so that we can be the church that builds up the body of Christ and that you would do that in us and also through us, Lord. And so, Lord, we just invite you to do more through your Holy Spirit in us and through us for your glory and for your kingdom's sake. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.